Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod interviews. I'm your host Craig and recently had the pleasure of talking to actor, writer, director, producer Ildiko Shushani. Our discussion covers representation, working remotely and keeping up with continuity. Sit back, relax and enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined on Neil Before Pod with Ildiko Shushani. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's pretty early for you, isn't it? Before you start actual work. Yes, it's 8am in Vancouver and then I'll be starting working uh, the writer's room for Virgin River in a couple hours. Nice. And the blurb I was sent says you do most of that remotely, is that right? Yes. So I'm Canada-based, but now the writer's room is all based in LA. So there's all the Americans who are working in the physical room there and I'm always joining virtually. So what's that like working remotely when everybody's there? I'm guessing it has its own challenges. It definitely has some challenges, but I'm really grateful to be in such a supportive, warm room. It's one of the nicest group of people I've ever gotten to work with. So I feel very happy about that. And I'm hoping that in the future, I can get some sort of a O1 visa or something like that. So I can actually move down and physically be there with everyone, which would be just a little bit better. None of your ideas getting forgotten about because you had connection issues or anything like that. No, but I do feel like sometimes I'm just, I'm on this massive screen. So it's just my big head at the end of the table. And (laughs) everyone sometimes feels like I'm a bit of a Siri because I'm just like, well, you know, in episode two, they did this. So we've got to keep that in mind. (laughs) And your movement to staff writer on the show, that's a relatively recent development. Yes, that's right. So I started on season four as the script and clearance coordinator, and I kept that role in season five, but they gave me my first script to write. So it was my first episode of television that I got to write, which was awesome. And I got to be on set while it was filming and be a part of all of the production side of things. And then this season, I got promoted to a full staff writer. So I'm not doing the coordination anymore. I'm just creative and and writing and working with the team. Oh. And the show Virgin River, I'll confess that I've never actually seen it, but I know it's quite popular on Netflix and things. So to you, what's the major strength of the show? You know, what is it you like most about it and working on it? Well, it's a a gentle romance drama. So I think it came out at a really great time during COVID because it was such a nice comfort watch. I think a lot of people really love, particularly Mel and Jack, who are kind of our lead romantic couple. And People really want them to succeed and to be happy because there's always a lot of complications and drama in a show like that. But it's also got a beautiful sense of community. I think it's really an idyllic place to live because everyone on the show really cares for each other and and tries to support each other. So it's a bit like why people might watch the daily soap operas, that kind of thing, that feeling of just familiarity. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, congratulations on making it to the staff writer role. That must be great. Just being in that room for an entire season and helping plan it all out. Yeah, it's been a dream come true. So I feel very happy. I feel very grateful. Just I love being on the show and I'm happy to be there. And how is the season structured in terms of writing to make sure everything hangs together? I'm guessing there must be some kind of through line of here's what we need to get to by the end of the season. And then every writer sort of picks up pieces of that as they go. The process that I've seen on this show is basically you spend the first few weeks maybe looking at the season as a whole and sort of just blue sky where the characters could go what complications there could be and then as we sort of progress along we start focusing more episode by episode and seeing how that evolves and then certain writers will go off to write their episodes while we continue on on the next episodes and come back and you're always sort of seeing how the whole season is unfolding and refining and and making sure it's all really coming together and really building to that end of season cliffhanger. And what's it like picking up characters that other writers have 
created and played with over many years because you arrived on the show very late into its run. So what was it like just picking up these characters and trying to write for them? Well, I think the characters are so wonderful. They've been written so well. And, and it's based off a series of books by Robin Carr as well, which are very popular. And I think the actors who have brought themselves to this role have really given it a little bit more. So it is always a bit of a challenge to come onto a show and try and pick up and take the ball and keep it going. So there is a bit of that, but I've binged all the episodes. I've watched the show, I think, three times now. So yeah, and then you have a lot of support as well from the other writers and the people who have been there for longer. So you always feel supported and you're always giving it your best shot. Do you ever have the actors say, no, my character wouldn't do that for this reason or that reason? No, I think there's sometimes conversations with the actors about the characters and the story, but no, it's usually pretty good. It's a very collaborative environment and very positive. So it was good when everybody's sort of on the same page to try and make the best thing possible. You hear about these things where word perfect or whatever, or there's no compromising. So it's good to hear that that's an environment that encourages the collaboration aspect of it. That's always good to hear. I think it's always important when people feel proud of the work and feel like they're making a creative input and, and no one's scared to say something or to offer whatever their creative input is. I think it always just makes the work stronger when everyone's servicing the show and trying to make it the best it can be. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of your career as a writer, how did you get into all that? How did you get started? You do acting as well. So which came first or were they bouncing off each other as you went across? Yeah, a little bit. I've always wanted to be an actor, but I also was really interested in writing as well. And I started off as a theatre actor and I trained at the University of Southern Queensland as an actor. And in that program, we were always really encouraged to create our own work. So part of the coursework was self-devised shows with a group of other actors or writing a one-person show. So we came out of it not only with the skills of an actor, a classically trained actor, but also to be able to create our own work and not just wait for a call from our agent and hope that something happens. I used to work in independent theatre as well, and I wrote my own shows and I worked on other people's creative developments. And then as an actor, I worked for the Bell Shakespeare Company. I toured across Australia. I performed at the Sydney Opera House. And then I kind of was ready to move more into film and television as well. And so I decided to move to Canada where there's a lot of productions being shot in Vancouver. And that's been great. I've worked with Hilary Swank on Alaska Daily and worked on a bunch of shows here. And then at the same time, I was also working in production. So I worked my way up from a production assistant to a producer's assistant to a script and clearance coordinator. And through that process, through working with Virgin River, I think it was just wonderful that it was such a supportive environment that they saw something in me and, and was willing to bring me up with them on the journey. It sort of fed into each other. It's one thing helps the other as you move through your career. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I feel like my writing has helped me be a stronger actor. And I think my acting really helps to bring these characters to life. And you wrote and directed and starred in your own movie. So that's a lot of hats to wear on one production. Yes, it was very stressful <laughs> shooting the film. And we did it with basically a shoestring budget. We had basically no money, but a lot of really talented people and dedicated people. I'm really proud of what came out of it. And it was such a great calling card for me coming to Vancouver and showing my card and showing a look of here's what I can do with nothing, you know, <laughs> give me a chance. Was it difficult to get it made? It was a shoestring budget. You hear about these things that are stuck in development hell for years or never see the light of day after years of development. So even getting something made is a massive achievement these days, isn't it? Because of just how much yeah. that gets kind of discarded. So was it difficult to get it from script to screen effectively? I mean, I think for any film, it's always going to be a challenge. There's a lot that's put into it and you have a lot of moving parts. For us, it was completely independent. So I looked at a lot of the mumblecore artists 
that I liked, like the Duplass brothers or even Greta Gerwig had a start in the mumblecore movement. So it was about how can we shoot this really lo-fi? We had some great equipment, but not a lot of it. And we had a very skeleton crew, but I also knew some really amazing actors. So we made sure we rehearsed it so that we could only shoot it in one or two takes and moved on. And so it was very... We were working hard and fast, but I think because people were such hard workers and they were very skilled, it just made it such a great experience. And the product that came out of it was really beautiful. And transitioning to directing for that one, it must have been a real challenge because you were directing yourself as well as anything else. So you had to keep yourself in mind, I suppose, as you're directing. Yes, that was very tricky. But I think that's why rehearsals were very important to me on that film, just to make sure all of the actors were on the same page, make sure that our DP, Benjamin Powell, knew what we were shooting, what we needed to do in each scene and the purpose of each scene. And for me, I had a really great lesson from a mentor who helped guide us through the production about just having trust in it and not getting so caught up in the stress and in the weeds of it. And I think that was really freeing because that is the style of this kind of no budget film. So I think just really trusting that and finding the beauty in the seemingly imperfections, because I think some of that nuance is actually what makes it brilliant. Well, yeah, it makes it feel more real if things go wrong to an extent, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. With you directing, writing and starring in it, it, it seems like it was a real passion project for you. So what was the inspiration for that? What made you want to tell that particular story? It was loosely based on my life and where I was at at the time. I was living in Sydney. I'm of Japanese and Hungarian descent. And at the time, you know, I was auditioning for things and it just always felt a little bit stereotypically Asian and a bit two-dimensional. And so I was kind of frustrated by that. And so I wanted to write a film similar to like a Francis Ha, but I actually didn't know about Francis Ha. I had already started writing it before that film came out, but it was just about that kind of disillusionment and that sort of coming of age for someone approaching 30, as opposed to the coming of age of an 18 year old, where you feel like you're behind and you're not getting where you want to be and about finding that inner strength within yourself and finding your own voice so that you can come out of that telling your own story and standing your ground. So it seems like there's a few layers of representation there then because the sort of reinvention in your 30s thing that seems to be very seldom represented in media i mean i'm in my 30s as well and i frequently have these sort of what am i doing with my life existential crises and you know i think it is one of those it's not represented as much as it could be so it's great that you would go after that story with it being semi-autobiographical as well it makes sense that it might be you translating your own feelings into film in a way but yeah it's really cool that yeah for sure you went for those layers of representation i mean i don't know what your experience is but certainly from the outside looking in it feels like we're some of the way down a really long road towards making all that more balanced yeah i think we're definitely getting better with authentic representation and showing just the whole spectrum of people that are out there whether it's culturally and linguistically diverse neurodivergent people people with disability people who have english as a second language we're definitely getting better and there's definitely more opportunities now for creators to make more authentic work based on their own experiences. But I do feel at the same time, yeah, we still have a bit of a ways to go. I suppose it's better to be somewhere down the road rather than nowhere down the road. That's right, for sure. So yeah, well done on getting your film to life then. It sounds like it's a, an incredible achievement. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very proud. So I feel very happy and I'm, I'm really grateful to all the work that everyone put into it. When it comes to writing, is that the kind of stuff that you prefer to write those very real stories, those almost unseen stories that you don't find a lot of places, or do you have other preferences or is it just whatever takes your fancy at the time is what you want to write? Yeah, I have a few different interests. Like I do love writing 
that sort of dramedy and something with a little bit of dark humor or very grounded, raw and real. But at the same time, I really love writing on Virgin River. I love that gentle drama. I love that romance. So I think for me, at least with the experiences that I've had as a writer, I always find something that I hook into, something that makes it meaningful or special to me that I love about the project. So I always try and find something that I can kind of relate to or hook into or that interests me. I suppose there's always real people even in these fantastical stories. So you can always find something to link into. Yeah, I think it's always about finding some sort of truth in it. And I think when you do that, and when you feel really personally, or like somehow personally connected to it, and emotionally connected to it, I think that just makes it so much stronger for the audience to then be able to relate to it as well and connect with it. And in some of your acting roles, you have been on stuff that is a bit more out there, for example, Lost in Space, proper big sci-fi show. So did that give you any inspiration to have a go at that when you were on set and looking at everything? Well, I've always loved sci-fi as well. And it was really amazing working on that show because the sets were huge. This fact might be wrong, so don't quote me, but someone had said the spaceship set is, I don't know, one of the largest sets built in, I don't know if it's just Vancouver or Canada or whatever, but yeah, it was massive. You could really just walk through all the pathways of this massive set while you're inside the spaceship and the robot was massive as well. Yeah, it was awesome to work on it. I I really like Lost in Space. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought it was one of Netflix's better revivals of of things. So Mm -hmm. that must have been great being on that with everyone around and just seeing how it all gets put together, I guess. Yeah, it was was wonderful. And one of the earliest plays that I wrote that I put on in Sydney was kind of a dystopian future world. So it had a little bit of that sort of sci-fi a little bit of that kind of dystopian super future deadly class as well that's another sort of fantastical Mm -hmm. high concept show again same idea must have been really cool to see all that yeah yeah it was awesome that was a really cool show to work on i just loved that idea of going to assassination school and you've got these legacy kids who are part of these dynasties yeah it's really cool and i I really loved what they did with that and it's based on a comic book series that the creators had made as well yeah And when it comes to adapting stuff, because you said about Virgin River as a series of books as well, and obviously that was a comic book. When it comes to adapting stuff, so on Virgin River, for example, how closely do you look at the books or is it sort of beyond what the books were at this point? Has it moved beyond that? Robin Carr, who wrote the book series, there's quite a number of books that focus on different characters throughout the different characters of Virgin River, but you might have the Mel and Jack centric books. And then sometimes another book, it might focus on Preacher and Page and Mel and Jack a bit more in the background of that book. And so I think when they started the show, they looked at the books and they worked out which characters, which stories they really wanted to pull from. And Robin Carr gave her blessing that she writes the books, the TV writers can write the series. So I think in some ways, the show has kind of found its own path that it's followed. But we do also touch base with the source material and just gives us some inspiration or maybe something that we want to draw on and see on the screen. I suppose there's always plenty of fodder for subplots and things like that in various books, then, if there's so many of them. For sure. And, and the other thing about Virgin River that's so interesting is there is always this sort of prime element. There's some of the more nefarious characters, so it always gives it a little bit of edge and danger. And another show that you're in is one of my favourite shows of the last few years, actually, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I just love yes. the the musical gimmick as in she sees yes. everybody sing their feelings and things. When you were working on that show, how much of that did you get into? How much of the musical side of it did you get into or at least see coming to life, I suppose? Well, as an actor, I worked on it and I was in a scene with Katie Finlay and Skylar Aston and 
I mean, Skylar has such a wonderful career working on the Pitch Perfect series of films. And I think he was on, I'm just trying to remember, Spring Awakening, I think he did with, I think that was The Atlantic and it went on Broadway. So that was really wonderful. And I actually worked as a producer's assistant on that show as well. So I got to see a lot of the behind the scenes and all the musical numbers were really fantastic. All that meticulous rehearsing in order to get all the steps in and things like that. Yes, the actors and the dancers, they had a a lot of work to do. There's lots of pre-records and dance rehearsals and, and then just shooting it. And a lot of the style of it is almost in that one take steady cam. So all the pieces had to really be in order to be able to shoot that. Did it give you any inspiration to possibly write your own musical or included musical elements and things? I'd love to write a musical. I think I could do the words on the page, but not so much the music. <laughs> <laughs> Get the musical episode of Virgin River. It seems to be all the rage. Yes, of shows are doing <laughs> that musical would be episodes. amazing. <laughs> Someone could get hit on the head and see everything as a musical. I don't know. You can have yes. that idea for free if you want it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll put that in my pocket for later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's the least original idea you can think of to come up with a musical, but there it is. Yeah, it's great though. It's It'll be so much fun. <laughs> so what else have you got in the pipeline? What's next for you? Obviously, you'll be working on Virgin River, hopefully as long as that lasts, but it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. It seems like it's a huge hit, so it'll linger for a while. Yeah, it's... It's very popular, so I hope we get some more seasons for sure. For me, I'm just continuing auditioning. I'm writing my own projects, hoping to be able to work down in the States so that if we do get future seasons, I can work in the room with everyone. Yeah, that's basically the plan. You just keep at it, keep being creative and hoping that your career sustains. (laughs) Do you feel like you get enough time between working on the show full time and then in your own time to work in your own projects or is it one of those it's very busy on one side of it so you don't get as much time as you'd like or is there a good balance? Yeah, there's definitely very busy times. I tend to find when I'm working on a show, my brain space really focuses on that. But I do try and find a bit of time to do my own things, whether that's on the weekends or in the evenings. So yeah, I think most writers and actors, you're always a little bit in that grind, a little bit always running in the <laughs> in the little mouse wheel, keep pedaling, keep making things. Just always tired because you're always yes. working on one thing or another. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of someone that has a day job and then tries to do the website stuff and mm-hmm. my free time, that it can be a challenge to muster the yes. energy after a full day and then do almost another full day in the evening trying to get other things done. Yes, for sure. And then hoping to keep your own personal tank full and being able to relax or let it go sometimes and, and chill out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like I say, congratulations for getting the, the staff job on Virgin River and I hope it goes on for many more seasons. Keep you employed. Yes. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Keep watching everyone. And with the the recent strikes, was that a massive impact on what you do? I I don't understand how all the contracts work in terms of different shows and things like that, but was it a massive impact on that production? I don't know about massive, but yes, we had to stop writing. The writer's room stopped as soon as we went on strike because it's a WGA show. Okay. And then the actors went on strike, so everything just stopped. And it's tough also for the other people who aren't on strike but work in film because when there's no shows being written, there's no shows being shot because we don't have any actors. It puts a lot of strain on all the other crew working on these shows. So it's tough on everyone. Yeah, I was out of work or off work because I was on strike for five months. And then we thankfully came back and feel good about our deal, which is great. And then seeing when we'll be able to start shooting again. It's tough, but I think it's always important to support the workers and make sure that they can 
be on a livable wage and continue doing what they're doing. Well, it was interesting reading into it and reading into the reality of what people actually end up earning on when they work on things because the perception, the wrong perception that a lot of people have is, oh, everybody works in film and TV is really rich, but it's just not the case because it's a gig economy almost in a way, isn't it, in some cases? Yeah, for sure. And I think, especially with the actors, I think people have this perception because the actors that they think of when they're thinking of a George Clooney or a Meryl Streep or all these very established A-list actors who are possibly making millions on a project, you have to understand that there's 160,000 members of SAG-AFTRA. So a lot of those actors are the actors who maybe only are getting some day roles or they've got a small role in a show. And when their residual check is 30 cents, they can't really survive between seasons. So I think it was really more about supporting the everyday workers who now that we've got shorter runs of seasons with fewer episodes and things like that. It's it's just, I think, become a little bit harder to have a real sustainable career as a writer or an actor in film and TV. Well, on this podcast, we always supported the strike and hoped that it would come to the, the right resolution. It seems like for the most part it has. So that, that's great to hear. Yeah, thank you. And I feel like the writers felt very positive about the WGA contract. And I think now the SAG-AFTRA members are having to vote on their contract. Yeah. One last question. It's one I ask everybody with this being a, a nerdy focused podcast largely. I always ask people if they could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, that's such a good one. It's so funny as well, because when I was a child, I wrote the little comic book series with these different characters with all these powers. And it's so hard because I'd love to be able to read minds, but that would also get very tricky and challenging <laughs> i'd love to fly or be invisible i don't know that's a tough one i can never pick things to one i want to be just the super superhero with amazing powers but a bit of trauma in there as well <laughs> i don't think i'd like to read minds uh, i don't want to know what some people are thinking yeah. <laughs> if you can turn it off and on that would yeah. be nice <laughs> Once you control your powers, you're fine. Yeah, as long as I'm not getting blasted by people's thoughts at all times. That's right, yeah. <laughs> For me, it'd be speed. I'd like to shorten my time getting places. Oh, that's cool. But I still like to see things, so teleporting would be rubbish. Teleporting, oh yeah. See, I would love to teleport, you know, just be like, oh, I'm going to go to Paris now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're fast, you can run there and then you get to see everything that's between there and here. That's true. Or if you could fly, if you could fly fast, you could get there. But if you can fly, you need to also be able to stand the cold because it gets cold up there. That's true. I'd need like a super suit. Yeah. <laughs> and be able to breathe thin air as well. Air yeah. Thin. All these side powers you need with your main power. Yeah. You don't think about all the intricacies, the challenges that come with the superpower. Yeah. That's everything I had to ask. Congratulations again on the, the staff job and well done Thank on you. your film that you wrote, directed and starred in. That's excellent. I'm going to try and find that somewhere and watch it because it, it sounds like it's an interesting angle on, as you see, coming of age in your 30s when you're yeah. <laughs> rethinking your life rather than thinking about your life earlier. That's on. right, for sure. You know, when you've had all these dreams and you're like, did it quite work out how I thought it would? <laughs> can I be happy, find a way forward? You can check out the website, marleysomeone.com. Congratulations on everything and good luck with your future projects as well. Sounds like you've got quite a lot bubbling over and that you're thinking about getting done. So well done. And it's been great speaking to you. Thank you for your time. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you very much. That was my conversation with Ildikos Shushani. 
I wish her the very best with her current and future projects. If you want to talk about anything discussed here or anything else really, you can contact us on Twitter or Facebook under Neil Before Blog or leave a comment under neilbeforeblog.co.uk. You can also join us on Discord. For more interviews, a monthly news podcast and deep dive analytical discussions about your favourite nerdy things, join us on Neil Before Pod.